Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, we've got a variety of business things to take care of today. The questions just never cease to amaze me. Our theme for today is going to be what art form reaches your heart. Now, that may sound like a little diversion from business, but trust me, we're going to go right there. What art form reaches your heart? Hair sponsor today is Harry's. Now, this is the company where I buy my razors. They're, they're just a really cool company. I wouldn't just promote some generic brand of razor. These guys are really cool. I'm going to be telling you a little bit more about them here in a little bit. But if you go to harrys.com, use 48 days, you're going to get a $5 off discount on your first purchase. And it's worth it. They're a bargain just at the regular price, but you get five bucks off. Now, we did this a couple months ago, and I heard from people all over the world who got their Harry's razors and raving about it. I mean, it really is something to rave about, but I'll, I'll tell you more about that here in a little bit. So our theme, what art form reaches your heart? Now, here's some of the questions that we're going to be unpacking today. If Jesus taught a class on marketing, what marketing lessons do you think he would share? Someone says, Dan, how can I get trained as a coach living in Australia? Dan, I'm a minister with increasing opportunities as a guest and conference speaker, but little compensation. Should I wait till my new book launches or start monetizing my site right now? Now, here's an interesting one. This is going to lead into one that I really want to unpack because of how it addresses the use of music. But the question is, Dan, is it okay for a man to have long hair and a well-groomed full beard during job interviews, or is this an absolute no-no? All right, now here's our quotation for the day. This comes from Pablo Casals, who said, music is the divine way to tell beautiful, poetic things to the heart. Now, if you've been around here very long in a 40 days community, you know that we embrace a whole lot of creativity and a whole lot of different forms. We talk to musicians and artists and sculptors and poets and comedians, and it just goes on and on and on. The creative things that oftentimes and are even in our academic systems are kind of pushed down. No, you can't do that. You got to do something where you can make a living. Well, we, you don't hear that around here. We embrace the creative things that people do. We've got a, a new interview up we're starting to do tuesday night brainstorming sessions in 48days.net community and this week's i interviewed my wife joanne we talked about her new book be your finest art but we talked a whole lot about how to tap into creativity and the fact that a lot of people just get caught up in making a living and all of a sudden they're 45 50 years old and they start remembering the things they enjoyed as a little child and thinking why can't i do that why can't i do that i want my crayons back in essence, is what we're saying. And we're, we're here to tell you, you can have your crayons back. Well, we'll go into the questions here in just a second. I want to tell you a little bit more about Harry's. Now, Harry's, I mentioned, they're a sponsor for today. You can get a $5 discount if you go to harrys.com and use 48 days as your code. Now, here's the kind of cool things they have on their site. 
handsomer, sharperer, less expensiver. I mean, I just like the kind of cool approach they take to this. They have German-made blades. They are exquisite. Ergonomic handles, moisturizing cream built in. You can even engrave your initials on the chrome handle if you want when you order it. There's a little barber shop in New York City. If you go to 64 McDougal Street, you can check that out. But they're just a cool company. Here's how they use art in what they describe. They describe the gothic arch of the handle, like the dome and spire of an old church, each of the five razor blades in our cartridges. Now, each cartridge has five blades in it, incidentally. When I gave them to my sons and son-in-law for Father's Day, they're like, good grief, we've never seen anything with five blades in it. Each of our five razor blades in our cartridges are shaped into a gothic arch pattern to be strong at the base and sharp at the tip. These blades work together to crisply and cleanly shave even the thickest hair and leave your skin feeling fresh and smooth. Like a paintbrush on a wet canvas, our cartridge's pliant rubber hinge flexes to the contours of your face for precise control over a wide surface area. A small band of aloe vera and vitamin E soothes and nourishes your skin for a small, soft, smooth finish. Doesn't that sound appealing? Hey, it really is. I, I'm... I'm sold. I just like the coolness of the company, the coolness of the product. They're very inexpensive. I mean, you can get the basic product for with the, the handle, multiple blades, the moisturizing cream for 15 bucks. Use your $5 discount. You get it for 10 bucks. So go to harrys.com. Use 48 days as your discount code to get $5 discount on your first order. Well, here's some success stories. We got a bunch of them as always. Just going to read a few. This one comes from Deborah Bryant, who says, when I purchased your right to the bank toolkit yesterday, I saw the question, what prompted you to purchase today? Well, I'm excited to tell you that I originally heard about you on Dave Ramsey's radio show when I lived in Nashville back in the 90s. I bought your 48 days to the work you love at that time. I followed your guide precisely as I desired to relocate to Shreveport, Louisiana. I began my job search from Nashville in March 1999 and had just the kind of job I wanted by the third week of April. Now, what is that? April and May, 48 days. There you go. Did I mention that I received three great job offers from that job search? I became reacquainted with you from hearing an interview with you and Michael Hyatt's podcast. I'm looking forward to digging into my new purchase. Thanks for providing such great content. Well, thank you, Deborah, for your update and for that Great success story. This comes from Daniela Uslan in Miami, Florida. It says, I just want to thank you for the work you do. Your book's 48 Days to the Work You Love, No More Dreaded Mondays, as well as your podcast. Completely changed my life three years ago. I was a teacher who was depressed from the pain of conforming to my boss's unrealistic expectations of me. I didn't know what to do or where to turn. Three years later, I worked for myself and have been able to earn as much as I earned as a teacher while working far fewer hours and enjoying a lot more freedom. I hope to eventually hit, a, hit it out of the park by becoming a well-known source of information for entrepreneurs who want to build thriving networks around their businesses. Thank you so much for your work. It completely changed my life for the better. Well, thank you, Daniela. Appreciate hearing that. You know, I'm going to go ahead. We're going to go ahead and do our, our little um, piece here on congratulations. Well, you know what? I just hit the wrong one there. I went to We Are Family. We want to do this one. There we go. There's our champion song. 
Got some more stories I want to share, but I'm going to integrate them into some of the questions coming up here. But this is our We Are the Champions that we play after the success stories each week. If you want to be included in this group, well, I'd be delighted to share your story here. Just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link. You'll see an opportunity there to submit your question or comment. You can do it there or just shoot a note to askdan at 48days.com. Be delighted to include your success story. Never get tired of hearing those coming in here. Well, this question comes from Jacob, who says, Dan, I love your show. Listen to every episode that comes out. I've had a great idea for a podcast myself, and I'm looking to get started. The idea for the podcast has come out of my own struggles, and I want to be able to help others as well. My passion is to try to help people get careers started. I know that you have a great podcast on job searching, and your podcast is a great resource for advancing in your career, but I'm looking to fill a gap. What I envision is to interview hiring managers and recruiters and interview them about what you can do or what steps you can take to show you're qualified for a position if the requirements for that position are not in your formal work background. I think hearing directly from those making the hiring decisions would be beneficial to so many. This could help those that are either looking to get a pay raise or save up for launching their own business or for those just looking to escape poverty to work the Dave Ramsey plan. Where I'm having trouble is this. I can't seem to figure out how to locate the hiring managers and recruiters to interview. Any referrals or help would be appreciated. Thank you. Sincerely, Jacob from Ames, Iowa. Well, I think you had a great idea, Jacob. I like that a lot to have a podcast that focuses on what are those interviewing tips? What are interviewers really looking for? What is it that causes them to make those decisions in the first 30 seconds of an interview when they haven't even looked at your resume or had you describe all the wonderful things that you do well i think that'd be a great niche now it ought to be easy to find people who are interviewers there are two major organizations and then i'll tell you about a couple other things as well but there are two major organizations one is called SHRM. that's an acronym for the society for human resource management if you just look those up those are people who are human resource directors those are the interviewers in companies all around the world so Society for Human Resource Management, you ought to be able to find that real easily. The other one is the Association of Career Professionals. I used to be a member of that organization. I, we, there was a chapter here in Nashville, so we would meet monthly, and it included people, the placement directors from the universities, and then people from outplacement organization like Lee Hectarison, Wright Associates, Questar, all of those kind of organizations, and a lot of people who were HR directors in companies, but check those two out and you're going to find an unlimited number of people who interview. And yeah, I think they'd be delighted to be on your podcast. Shola says this. Hi, Dan. My name is Shola. I'm part of the 48 days family, but I live in Australia and I'm wondering what group applies to me in my Australian context. That's why I haven't been actively involved with any team. Incidentally, we just did a survey where we asked people in the 48days.net community a bunch of questions. And really without even asking the questions where you are, I mean, the tracking information gives us that. And it was interesting to go through the top 10 countries. I should have it. I don't have it right here. But anyway, you know, the United States was number one, but then we had England and Poland and Australia and Norway and Sweden and Denmark and places in Africa. It's always interesting to see 
how broad spread the community active in 48 days.net really is. Anyway, Shola says, I listen to your podcast. They've empowered me and given me courage and purpose. I've done the disc model profiling and I'm an influencer that fits me exactly. I've given speeches at churches and functions, taught courses at Bible college churches, presented materials to a group of account professionals. I encourage others and motivate people particularly financially struggling Christians, friends, and some churches. I influence people in the area of biblical financial stewardship and pursuing financial peace. I'm a single mom, accountant, work full-time as an assistant accountant in a nonprofit, but I'm not at the financial and success level I should be. I know I've got more and I'm willing to do all I need to do to get where I need to get to. My child is 12 and in high school, I believe I can start preparing for a more successful future I would like to be a successful financial coach and mentor. I would like to attend your coaching beginners mastery class. I've also been asked by the John Maxwell leadership team to do their course, but I'm not sure which one to do due to cost and distance applicable to Australian context. My question is, would you know a great coaching institute or coaching mastery class in Australia that I can join? Please help me, Dan. Show up. Well, the, the, the short answer is geography has no bearing on your question. If you want to be a coach, choose what you want to do to become proficient as a coach. And really, geography really has very little bearing on that. Now, we have had people come to our Coaching with Excellence, incidentally, from Canada and England, golly, South America, Hawaii. We've got a couple of people coming to this next one who are from Hawaii, a young couple who are coming. So, you know, if, if it's important, you know, people come, I mean, it's not that expensive. We don't have to see here. That's our coaching with excellence program. We can introduce you to the coaching mastery program. And we've had people in our coaching mastery program who have never set foot in Tennessee. I mean, it's online training. We have online group, a closed group for the people in the coaching mastery program. We have once a month conference calls, open calls for everybody in there where we discuss things together and help each other. So the geography really has very little to do with it. Now, you also say John Maxwell's leadership team has invited you to do their course. We have a lot of people who are in our coaching mastery program who are also have completed or are in the John Maxwell program. Certainly, you just can choose from a lot of great things. The big daddy really out there is a coaching federation which uh, International Coach Federation, ICF, which has been around forever. I mean, you can do all of their work, all of their training without ever going anywhere. And again, when you say for an Australian context, I mean, there's so much similarity in a global world today. If you're an effective coach in Australia, you can be an effective coach in England or Norway or the United States. You can be in Seattle, Houston, Miami, and it really doesn't matter. So the principles are going to be transferable no matter where you are. Now, if you want to look at our coaching mastery program, I mean, just check that out. Go to the live events. You'll see a link there that explains all the things in a coaching mastery program. I love that program. I love working with the people in there and seeing the successes that they're getting, seeing people that are getting traction right out of the gate. I mean, we have a lady right now who in the first 60 days of coaching made over $16,000, had no background in it at all. She just positioned herself. We helped her describe what she was going to do, and she opened it up to the world. Boom. There you go. She went at it in a big way. So I would just say, don't let geography be the determining factor of what you choose for your coach training. Well, hey, just another quick reminder here. You're hearing questions from 
real people around the world, real places, obviously. I'm delighted to unpack these questions each week. This is just a reminder, if you got a question, you can go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link there, and you'll see an opportunity to submit your question there. Or you can just shoot it directly to askdan at 48days.com. Well, this comes from Darren, who says, now, this is a cool question. Darren says, I've been a 48 Days podcast listener for several years, so I've heard you address many questions from people who are trying to make the connection between their faith and their business. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on the question that I've been researching. If Jesus taught a class on marketing, what marketing lessons do you think he would share to help people grow their businesses and organizations? By the way, you're part of the inspiration for a podcast that I launched recently titled Marketing Like Jesus, which was ranked number 32 in iTunes business category as of July 2nd. Thanks to you and the 48 Days team for being a constant source of inspiration for me. Well, thanks, Darren. You know, I, I love these kind of questions, but at the same time, I kind of cringe. There are so many people out there telling us what Jesus would do, what God would say in this thing, what the Bible says. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, you know, can we leave a little room here for personal application? I mean, I, I do cringe a little, and I certainly am not going to speak for Jesus. But in looking at what Jesus did, I think there's some principles that we can pick up for how he would market. I mean, one of the things that I often tell people is the quickest way to find success is to help someone else be successful. Now, I think we can find that modeled by Jesus. Now, he wasn't tooting his own horn, but he just addressed people where they were and helped them with what their immediate needs were, whether that was physical or financial or spiritual, emotional, whatever it was. He just helped them be more successful where they are. You know, that idea of give without expecting anything in return. I mean, that, that's a pretty powerful principle. And I, I go back to that again and again and again. Now, I do love the biblical principles. So when I go to Luke 6, 38, it says, For if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. So my initial interactions with people usually aren't based on what they're going to pay me or what they're going to buy. It's based on what do you need? How can I help you? When people have asked me, how can I do what you've done with 48 Days to the Work You Love? I heard, I've heard from hundreds and thousands of authors over the years. How can I do what you've done with 48 Days? My immediate response was always, let me show you what I've done. When people say, how can I be a coach? I tell them, let me tell you what has worked for me. Now, out of those, yeah, we ultimately developed seminars, live events to help people get that information in groups because it was such a common question. But here's an example. I had a gentleman one time when I was teaching a Sunday school class, out of which everything that I do has evolved. When I was teaching Sunday school class, I had a gentleman from Lakeland, Florida call me. His name is Larry Dobbs. Larry called me and said, we just came through and just visited Christ Church during the week, saw the material that, were, that was being taught and one of the classes being yours on career life transition, he said, I'd love to do that at my church. He said, can you give me any materials 
I said, well, we, I don't really use materials, but I said, you can have access to all my Sunday school notes and the kind of exercises I have people do to help get clarity in that area. He's like, really? You'd be willing to give that to me? I said, absolutely. So he, they came up. They were coming to Nashville in a couple of weeks. They came up. I gave him everything that I had. Well, that developed into a friendship. I mean, nothing happened immediately, that, but it developed a friendship. He asked if I would come down to their church and speak, which I did. He became one of my very first Eagles Club clients. He had just sold a business for millions and millions of dollars. Wasn't sure what he was going to do. He asked me to coach him, which I did. He invited me back to the church. That led to a denominational presence that I had with them because his church was influential in a major denomination. It opened the door. I mean, that initial giving Larry what he asked for with no strings attached probably has created, I don't know, $200,000, $300,000 in income for me since that time because of that direct connection. So that's the first thing. If Jesus taught a class on marketing, I think it would be, don't be so strategic. You have to figure out how is this person going to give you X number of dollars just find out what does a person need and trust the process that over the period of time, I mean, I'm reaping the benefits now of things that I did 10 years ago. I know that. I mean, there was, as I'm speaking here, there's Joanne's art class that's going on in a, the big section of the sanctuary here. I was out there a minute ago and I showed the gals who are here some of the things that I just received this morning, FedEx. Well, here's some of the things that I just received. This is not uncommon. I got a book from Carrie Oberbrunner, a brand new book with an invitation. He drew a lot of the principles for his book from the Shawshank Redemption. There's going to be a Shawshank Redemption. He actually went to the prison where the movie was filmed to do some of the writing about discovering the principles. How do you break out of our own prisons and move into a life of freedom, victory, and joy? There's going to be a 20th anniversary Shawshank Redemption event in Mansfield, Ohio, coming up the end of August. He says, I'd like to invite you because of the impact that you've had in my life. I'd like to invite you. Now, Carrie, to my knowledge, has never, has never paid me for anything. I, I don't know. He may have purchased products, but I've never had it. But he says, because of the effect that I've had in his life, he'd like to invite Joanne and me, actually in he invited Michael and Gail Hyatt to come with us if they could as well. And I've already talked to them about it. But he's offered to pay for airfare, hotel, rental car, restaurants, the reception they're going to have there, and some other goodies for the four of us, just out of appreciation. I mean, how cool is that? Yesterday, yesterday evening, I got a FedEx delivery, came from... Somebody who's in our coaching mastery program, Brian Holmes. In there was a box with a uniquely designed ring for me. It is a gorgeous ring with an eagle and a shield that he had designed just for me because he knows I love the symbolism of the eagle. Boom. I mean, I have in my pocket right now, I have a gift card for $25 for Garcia's. Somebody sent it to me because they know that's a place I enjoy eating. They sent it to me. I commented at one of our events recently on a beautiful iPad case that one of the ladies had. I just commented. I said, oh my gosh, that's really cool. I just got 
from her, Javonna Allison, a $100 gift card for Best Buy. She says, go get yourself one. While I was pulling my notes together this morning, another delivery truck came. It had a beautiful edible bouquet, one of those great big baskets with all kinds of fresh fruit in there. The timing was perfect because there's a whole bunch of women here for the art class. Joanna and I could never eat that much fruit in uh, three weeks. So we took it out there and just going to share it with everybody. They're going to just have their lunch here today. But it was from, that was from a church where they asked me if I would speak at their retreat a couple weeks ago. And I did. Got a note from the organizer, said it was a highlight of their week. I mean, they're now going to use the 48 Days materials as one of their core curriculum as we move into 2015. But I got this beautiful, unexpected, edible bouquet. I've just experienced that so much. I think that's the kind of marketing that Jesus did without expecting a lot in return, just helping people where they are, and the rewards for that show up almost in unexpected ways. Well, I could go on. Let me move on. Lennon from Durham, North Carolina. says, Dan, thanks for all you do. I've learned so much from you so far concerning how to see more income opportunity in the rhythm of my normal responsibilities. I'm a minister with increasing opportunities as a guest and conference speaker. Most of my conference settings are college ministry oriented. I also speak as a guest Sunday morning in churches, and I see great opportunities in marriage retreat settings. Like many ministers, we make a very modest salary. But I watched your interview with Michael Hyatt on making $150,000 from your platform in a year, and I'm greatly encouraged. I've rewatched that video five times. With your experience, what might you give me as principles of a successful sales table? How can I maximize opportunity and revenue? I'm brainstorming and working on audio products, but I know you'll bring an experienced perspective I lack. Well, I thanks for your question, Lennon. and I appreciate where you are and your heart for doing what you want to do, and I don't think that you have to choose between either doing effective ministry or being wealthy. I think you can do both. I mean, as I just shared the kind of things that I do, I hope I do with pure motives and a clean heart, and yet it seems to put deposits in my bank account even while I'm sleeping. But I have been intentional about that in taking the message that I want to share with people that did start in a Sunday school class and simply making it available for people in a variety of forms so people can get the trade book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. They can get No More Dreaded Mondays. They can get Rudder of the Day. They can get Wisdom Meets Passion. Obviously, those things have served me very well. But those open the door then to other ancillary materials. And we give away a ton of materials that support those major books. Then we put together live events. If I have enough people that say, how can I do what you've done with 48 Days to the Work You Love? I have a book and I'm you know, I've made $2,000 on it. How can I do what you've done with 40 days? Well, ultimately with that, we put together a live event. We did that for four years, right to the bank. We aren't doing that currently because we've expanded into some other things, but that was a very successful uh, series of live events for us. Same thing with coaching. People say, how can I do what you've done with coaching? Well, if you're doing something, if you're sharing a message in your ministry that resonates with 
and marriage retreats, as an example. You mentioned that. I mean, look at some of the things that have been done in that arena that have made people extremely wealthy because they're sharing solid principles for how to have effective marriages. So look at ways that you can package your core message where you don't have to get a $10,000 speaking fee. I mean, that's really irrelevant in my scheme of things because I want to connect with people where they're going to be receptive to a message that I'm going to share. Confident that on the back end, yeah, they'll purchase books and audio materials. So just have those things available. Have a sales table where you have your message shared in a variety of ways where you don't get locked into just the one and out, so to speak. That's what we call one and out, where you give a message and they give you a little love offering and that's the end of it. Capture that message if it's a profound message, if it's a core message that you give again and again. Capture that so people can get that in an audio program or in an instructional manual or come to a live event that you do three times a year. That's exactly how you do leverage that and become more and more successful even on the financial end. Now, I've got a question here and I've moved this up in the sequence because I want to make sure that I get to it. Because I I love where this takes us in so many different directions. Well, you know what? Let me let me get in just another one because I may come back and just park on this one for a little bit. All right, this comes from um, this comes from Victor. Now, let me do that. Victor says, Dan, I found out about you just recently you opened my eyes regarding monetizing my site. I started my blog two years ago that grew faster than I expected. Today, I have a podcast with more than 60,000 downloads a month, a blog with more than 70,000 visits a month, and a mailing list with more than 12,000 subscribers. I always plan to build my platform before selling anything, but after hearing your interview and Michael Hyatt's podcast, you opened my eyes to the fact that my platform is big enough already to start monetizing. I also got a book contract with Thomas Nelson, but the book won't be out until September of 2015. So here are my questions. Should I wait to launch the book? to start monetizing or should I start monetizing my site right now? What tools, books, materials do you recommend so I can start monetizing ASAP? I'm paralyzed on what and how to do it. Well, kind of related to the question that I just dealt with, Victor, if you have a core message, simply give your audience, and obviously people are wanting to hear what you have to say if you're getting 60,000 downloads a month, a blog with 70,000 visits, and have 12,000 email subscribers, I mean, that's a sizable audience. Yeah, you ought, to, you ought to be able to monetize that extremely well by simply giving people the message that they obviously want to hear in different formats where they can experience it. So if it's in an ebook, or if it's in a traditional published book, or if it's in a podcast, or if it's in um an audio version, or again, if it's in an instructional manual, or if you're doing an event based on that theme, those are all ways that you can start doing that initially right now. And I would encourage you to do it immediately. You know, don't wait. Then when the book comes out, you'll have more engagement already from your audience and a more ready reception for the book when it comes out. The book is just one small piece in the scheme of things that you describe that you're doing. It's not the magic pill, believe me. I mean, my books I still see as just professional business cards. You know, give them out. Royalty and advances are chump change. 
what I really want is to introduce people to all the other things that we do to get them involved in the things that we're doing on an ongoing basis. That's what you want to do. And with what you've got going, absolutely, you can do that right now. Now, here's a question. It says, Dan, how do you measure and determine the number of work tasks that you drop each year? I know that you systematically drop 15% of your task every year in order to make room for new things in your schedule and keep yourself engaged. Can you give any more detail on just how you do this? Do you fill out a time spreadsheet for each work week and then determine what tasks take up what percentage of the total time spent working? Is your approach simpler than that? Is it more sophisticated than that? I use weekly and daily to-do lists and I use checklists for items that must be completed with great regularity but I do not know how I would eliminate a specific percentage of my task. I would love to learn more about you from this. Now, I'm, my process is not sophisticated at all. It's not very detailed. I go with broad swipes. Let me give you a couple examples. And yeah, what you're referring to is I talk about the fact that every year by November 15th, I want to have my goals all firmly set for the upcoming year. And in that process... Part of what I do is to eliminate 15% of what I've been doing that year. So I open the door to add a new and exciting, innovating 15%, which is what I've been doing for years and years and years. But here's an example. I used to do corporate leadership development seminars. They were very profitable even back then. They were $3,500 for a three-hour workshop. I did lots and lots and lots of those. Now that was part of of the process of getting to where I am today. My heart is with the small entrepreneur, not with corporate America. I don't have any antagonism there, but it just, that's not what turns my boat. You know, I'd walk into those office complexes in the morning to do a workshop, go up to the 13th floor into one of the 20 conference rooms, and boom, I'd have my 20 people there ready to go. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I had to do this day after day after day, you know, I'd go bonkers. So as other parts of my business start to really expand, book sales and live events that we were doing and personal coaching, the kind of things that you hear me talk about here, I decided that was on the bubble. Now that was very profitable. I mean, one of my clients was a major bank. I would do a workshop in the morning and in the afternoon, and I didn't just add together 3,500 and 3,500. I told them I would be available for lunch as well, so we'd just make it a nice even $8,000 a day, and I did that month after month after month, usually about two days a month for a major bank. I would go from here to New York City, here to New York City, and do a couple days a month with that on the tab, $8,000 a day. That was in the bubble, and I eliminated that. I just said I'm not available to do that anymore. So I'm not going to do those leadership workshop seminars anymore. That got eliminated as part of that 15%. But see, it's at times like those that it opens the door for, it could have been, well, I'll give you a more recent example, but that could have opened the door to like some of the live events that we do. You know, I love the events that we do. We do events six times a year here. And we usually limit those to 48 people for each of those events. We have a pretty set fee of $1,000 for those. So you can do the math on that. I mean, that, that's something that I enjoy doing. It's right here. I don't have to get on a plane and go anywhere. So I do it here. And one of those times in transition was when we opened the door to doing live events here. I didn't know if people would come, but I wanted to try it. And it's worked out just extremely well. More recently, 
I eliminated speaking. Now, I had that for a long time as part of my Venn diagram, one of the areas where I expected to do that and get paid for it. And so I would go to Miami and speak to a bunch of realtors, you know, and I'd go to Seattle and talk to a group of uh, educators. I went to Chicago and talked to a group of executive directors for retirement centers, you know, good organizations, good groups. They paid me extremely well to do that. I thought, you know what? I mean, to go speak for 45 minutes blows two days of your time. I mean, just look at the reality of it. It really does. And I just said, I don't want to do that anymore. Even though I was being paid extremely well to do that, just don't want to do that anymore. That opened the door. Ashley, my daughter, and I developed the program we now call Coaching Mastery. Coaching Mastery is extremely profitable for me, and it's an extremely good fit for what I enjoy most doing. And I connect with people on a very individual level. It's not where I walk in and see a a bunch of strange faces and walk out 45 minutes later. No, these are people that I engage with and live life together. Another thing that I did this year that you haven't heard me talk much about is start a mastermind. And that's a, a closed group, but it's extremely fulfilling for me. Love the connections there and also very, very profitable. Those are the kind of things that I do where I just decide, okay, this is what's going to get bumped off. And I'm already looking now we're in July. I'm already looking at the things this year that are going to get bumped. I mean, I've got some things that are on the bubble right now, but I love that process. No, it's not real detailed. I use a real broad stroke to determine what's going to get cut and what's going to get added. Thanks for your question. And this is a great time. I mean, this is a good time to be looking at that. We're halfway through July. Well, this is the time to be looking at not only what is the next six months going to bring for you, the remainder of this year, but you ought to be designing already. What do you want 2015 to look like. Of course, I've got that line at the top of 48days.net. Best way to predict your future is to create it. You create the future that you want by deciding what it is you're going to do to bring the results into view. Okay, here's this question I wanted to get to. This comes from Chaz. Says, Dan, thanks for the work that you're doing for your positive, encouraging, action-oriented attitude. I've got two questions for you today. My first question is, and I'm probably going to get to one, is it okay for a man to have long hair and a well-groomed full beard during job interviews? Or is this an absolute no-no? I'm sure you would say that you might need more information regarding the field in which the individual is interviewing because this might be okay for some fields, but not others. I'm a music therapist. We use music as a tool to help people work toward non-music goals in the areas of physical, emotional, cognitive, and social functioning. Music therapists obtain university degrees and use research-based practices to do this type of work. Music therapists work in healthcare, educational settings, including hospitals, mental health agencies, assisted living facilities, and hospices, and public schools. I've been working as a school music therapist for seven years, but I do not like my job at all. Each day is pure drudgery. I would love to work in the hospice setting instead. I've been working on getting a hospice music therapy job on and off for about five years. Sometimes I'll be fairly aggressive in taking action, getting interviews with hospice administrators, but at other times I'll get discouraged or busy and not pursue this for months. After a long period of stagnation, I'm considering pursuing this transition again and going back to work at seeking meetings and pitching the program to administrators. 
as you talk about the importance of the visual impression in interviews, nice shoes, ironed shirt, etc., I'm wondering if my long hair and full beard are a no-no. They're neatly groomed. So I wonder if this is okay for someone who's looking for employment as a hospice music therapist, or if it's necessary that I do away with them. While music therapy is still not a well-known profession, I value your expertise in the area of employment, transitions, and successful interviews, and would certainly appreciate any input. Thanks for taking the time to read this. It means a lot. Well, Chaz, thanks for your thoughtful question. You have packed so much into your question that we would not have time to unpeel at all. But remember the quotation that I used today was stimulated by your question, where Pablo Casals said, Music is the divine way to tell beautiful, poetic things to the heart. Now, I do happen to be very familiar with music therapy. My sister got her degree in music therapy years and years ago. She went to the University of Kansas. It was one of two schools that offered degrees in music therapy at the time. She then came out, spent her life as a music therapist. She ended up starting her own school, was headmaster for a private school, but music was a real integral part of what they taught there. Now, what you're talking about goes in a little bit different direction. And I I will deal with your, your beard, trust me. And no, I don't think you need to get rid of it. (laughs) But I want to read a couple other things. This comes from the Dalai Lama. Among the many forms in which the human spirit has tried to express its innermost yearnings and perceptions, music is perhaps the most universal. It symbolizes the yearnings for harmony with oneself and with others, with nature and with the spiritual and sacred within and around us. There's something in music that transcends and unites. This is evident in the sacred music of every community, music that expresses the universal yearning that is shared by people all over the globe. Now, what you're referring to, it, there's, there's a, a term that, that deals with exactly what you're talking about. Boy, I've got a section here I want to read. Okay, but what you're talking about is music thanatology. Music thanatology is kind of a unique division of music therapy. It's a profession within the broader subspecialty of palliative care. It's a musical clinical modality that unites music and medicine in end-of-care life. You mentioned you'd like to be involved in hospice. This is a very growing field. The music thanatologist utilizes harp and voice at the bedside to lovingly serve the physical, emotional, and spiritual needs of the dying and their loved ones with prescriptive music. Prescriptive music is live music that responds to the physiological needs of the patient moment by moment. For example, by observing vital signs such as heart rate, respiration, and temperature, the music Thanatologist provides music that is tailored to each specific situation. The warmth of this living music can bring solace, dignity, and grace to those nearing the ultimate journey at the end of life. This music can help to ease physical symptoms such as pain, restlessness, agitation, sleeplessness, and labored breathing. It offers an atmosphere of serenity and comfort that can be profoundly soothing for those present. Difficult emotions such as fear, 
anger, sadness, and grief can be relieved as the listeners rest into a musical presence of beauty, intimacy, and compassion. Now, if you're a person that's bringing that, I think having a beard and long hair actually adds to the allure. It adds to the mystique of you being somebody different. You're not just you know, one more dude that's going to walk in and strum a guitar. You are a music therapist, and you're there to comfort people in their last moments. Now, it just so happens that yesterday, in my mastermind, we were discussing Arianna Huffington's book, Thrive, and the chapter that deals with wonder. And in there, just one paragraph I want to share. In most cities, there are also groups called Deathbed Singers, in which threshold choirs sing to patients in hospices, hospitals, and homes for free. The choirs consist mostly of women who go to the patient's bedside and simply sing, inviting any of those assembled to sing along. And there's a field of science, music thanatology, which studies the effects of music on respiration, heart rate, and stress levels. Research has shown that we often keep our hearing until the very end. Words are good for many things, but they don't seem sufficient when it comes to death, says Ellen Sonarski, who started a Washington, D.C. Threshold Choir. But music can reach those places where words alone cannot go. I love that kind of picture. And I love the picture that you're creating of you as a music therapist who wants to go into hospice settings and bring music to those people. There's a real science behind this. This is not just some little feel-good kind of thing. This is a science and people will pay you for the soothing qualities that you bring into a room. And I think again, having a beard and having long hair, I am envisioning you now, you know, whether you're from ZZ Top or lots of other people who have come before you, I think it can add to I mean, you could wear a hat and sunglasses. I mean, I, I think you can do things to accentuate that you are a unique character. So you're ad- immediately identified as, oh, that's the guy. That's the musician who does wonders for my mom, my dad, in their dying state. Now, my dad died a couple years ago, was pastor of a little country church. The thing that he enjoyed more than anything in his last months was singing. We would run out of things to talk about and then he'd start singing. He knew every word of every stanza of the old gospel hymns on and on and on and on. And there was nothing that brought him more comfort than that. We would always end with a particular song. That song is called Angel Band. And this this seemed like a a pretty somber way to end, but I'm going to end with that today. Angel Band. I was not that familiar with the song, but it was my dad's favorite song. Then it became popularized. I'm going to play the version that comes out of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? So we're going to end with this. Again, thanks for your questions. Thanks for being part of this ongoing community of people who are really discovering their art, discovering the music that's still in them. And finding ways to release that. Let us know your successes. Let us see you involved. 48days.net. Ask us questions. Ask me questions. Send your questions to askthan at 48days.com. 
but continue this process of releasing the very best that you have to offer, just like Chess is asking in his question. My latest son is sinking fast. My race is nearly run. My strongest trials now are past. My triumph has begun. Have a great week.